Welcome to the Final Girls Podcast. I'm Anna Bogutska, co-founder of the Final Girls Collective and your podcast host. There is an embarrassment of riches amongst new horror releases right now, so we've got quite a few interviews with directors banged, um, and I'm really thrilled to have had the opportunity to talk to so many amazing filmmakers. To celebrate the release of Uma in UK cinemas, I spoke to the film's writer-director Iris Shim about her approach to directing a possession movie that's not really a possession movie, her personal inspirations behind the film, and why bad mothers make for such compelling characters in genre pictures. Oh, and of course we talk about Sandra Oh, who is the lead in Uma and probably an actress who's never turned in a bad performance. Uma stars Oh as an isolated beekeeper living in a remote farm with her daughter, whose life takes a terrifying turn when the remains of her estranged mother arrive from Korea. There was a few moments in this film that genuinely terrified me, and if you're into slow burn, psychological horror with really good performances at the center this one is for you and if you enjoy this podcast do follow us at the final ghost uk on instagram and twitter and consider leaving us a little review if you enjoy this podcast and these interviews with filmmakers with all that said please enjoy my conversation with uma's writer director iris shim hi nice to meet you Lovely to meet you. So I'm going to dive straight in, but I would love to first of all hear about your own personal relationship to horror. Were you were you always a, a horror fan or is this a genre that's um, that's new to you with Uma? Um, I, I, I would say that I'm not sort of a, a like an overall horror fan. Like there is a specific kind of horror that I that I gravitate towards. You know, I personally get scared very easily. <laughs> and so, you know, like the sort of and, and the sort of slasher type films like it, it doesn't it doesn't really do it for me and so mm-hmm. and it might just be because you know actually my um my undergraduate degree was in psychology and not be, and I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it it was just something mm-hmm. uh that I was interested in and I was still sort of finding my, my myself at the time so I thought well I'll just I'll just study the thing that like interests me because I've always been curious about like why people do the things that they do, what's going on in other people's heads and, you know, how sort of we also function in society and how society impacts who we are. And so, um, so in terms of the sort of horror genre, it's always been through that lens of like, I really love horror that like explores the psychology uh, because for me, like I don't believe in ghosts and demons. And so like when I see them on screen, like it, it's not that they, you know, they don't really impact me in the way that, you know, if it's a character that thinks that they're losing their mind, that mm-hmm. terrifies me, you know, where they can't tell the difference between reality uh, and something else. Um, to me, that's very mm-hmm. relatable. And so that was definitely sort of the line that I was playing with in this movie of, you know, the main character constantly questioning, like, am I, what, you know, what am I seeing? Is this real? Mm-hmm. Well, that explains a lot about the film but i think i think we're kind of also on the same page in which the the horror of madness or the possibility of going mad of of losing sight of what's really happening and what might be you know um 
something that's in your head or something that you're projecting very intensely onto the world is is terrifying in its own way and i think and i think the film really externalizes that um and i kind of wanted to ask you about the the genesis of it i'm always very curious about how films or ideas get generated and i wonder whether there was a particular idea or or a character or even a scene that came to you first when you started writing uma yeah, so um, when, you know, it, it took me a little bit to sort of find my way into, you know, actually deciding to have the main characters be Korean American. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so once I decided that, you know, the first the first sort of um, lens that I was writing this through was really about identity, actually, and, you know, bringing my own experiences of, you know, being a child of immigrants and, uh, exploring what it means to either be Korean or to be American and to be specifically Korean American. And so a lot of that was coming in, but because this was a mother and daughter relationship that just the, the sort of like, uh, you know, the baggage of all mother and daughter relationships started to really sort of come about. And so it became so much more about motherhood and, 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 you know, your responsibilities as a daughter. Um, and so that actually, even though that's sort of the central theme that it became, that was almost secondary in terms of like my, my way into the story. And so, um, you know, and, and I think what really spoke to me too, was just that, you know, our relationships with their mom is so universal, just like that, you know, the baggage attached to it. And, you know, it doesn't matter where you come from. I think most women are, are afraid of becoming their mother. And so, you know, so that sort of universal theme as well, I, you know, was something that I wanted to explore. Hmm. And and I'm I'm a child of immigrants too, and I think there's uh there's something that really struck me in what you're saying and in and in the film is that it is a very universal experience, but there's also something very specific about the film. Um, and I'm wondering, kind of, you know, the 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 tense, complicated relationships that exist between mothers and daughters is already a, a can of worms, but it's a particularly distinct can of worms when you're the child of, of immigrants and the different tensions and expectations that are placed on that. And and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that, about kind of this uh, these very distinct expectations and pressures of motherhood. Um, you know, there's, there's Amanda's mother who's obviously coming from a different culture, but also the mother that Amanda becomes herself to her daughter is an entirely different uh, type of motherhood that kind of has a no blueprint for herself. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, something that I was drawing upon a lot uh, when I was writing this was just, you know, for thinking about how I felt about my parents when I was younger. And there was a lot of sort of, you know, I didn't really understand what they were going through and, you know, sort of, and they were, they worked very hard to kind of shield me from their, their day-to-day struggles. And so I do think there was a lot of disconnect in terms of what I felt about, um, you know, their parenthood, parenting and, and their own sort of just trying to, to, to survive the day, you know? And so, uh, as I got, as I've gotten older and as I become an adult and they see me as an adult, like we're able to talk about things in a different way where we don't really have to sort of disguise anything or hide anything. And it really gave me a new appreciation for my parents and for the struggles that they've gone through. Um, and there's also, there was also this moment where I really got to see my own mom as a daughter um, and seeing like how much she's taking care of like her parents and, you know, my dad's parents and, you know, just, the responsibilities that she took upon herself, not not necessarily because she felt like it was expected from her, but so much of it was this genuine, like, I want to take care of them. They take care of me. It's my you know responsibility. And I thought there was something really beautiful about that, even though I think that idea might feel a little bit um, 
I don't know if it's outdated or if it's, um, but, but, you know, and it was something that I really wanted to kind of, I took as inspiration that like, you know, when it, when the time comes that I want to be there to take care of my mom as much as she is taking care of me. And so that moment that I got to see her as a daughter, uh, I really appreciate that was a little, it was a really significant moment for me. And that was something that I really want to explore. Picking up on that, does that, did that kind of re- personal realization inform your decision to never quite make Amanda's mother into the monstrous villain that perhaps other films would have transformed that character into? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really wanted to um, maintain her humanity um, and that, you know, at first she just seems like this like uh, malevolent spirit and that's that's it. But, you know, and I think in a lot of other go- like sort of ghost movies, it's like, you know, characters move into a haunted house inadvertently. They see this ghost and the whole journey is about them trying to figure out how, how to banish the ghost from, from the house. Uh, but for this story, you know, it becomes complicated when that ghost is your mother, you know, and despite whatever relationship you might have, it's not as simple as just sort of banishing them, you know, out of the house. And so, you know, so that sort of um, resolution for Amanda's character really needs to come from uh, a more emotional place than just something that was like, you know, relying on some sort of supernatural kind of ritual or, or, or something like that. And so, yeah, I wanted to make sure that, you know, that we, um, that we were really thinking about relationships and character and, and the humanity of the characters, despite the, the sort of supernatural elements of it. And yet, it is quite tense. It is quite scary. And and there was moments I made an effort to kind of watch it with with headphones in a in a dark room to get the full effect of of the sound design, and and it it's genuinely creepy. And I kind of wanted to ask you about you know with all of those emotional considerations at heart at the heart of the film, how do you then still create uh, a spooky villainous creepy figure that does terrify audiences that does kind of make us want to see her defeated in a way right yeah um you know i think for me it was uh and this is how i you know uh how i experience movies is that if i really feel rooted in the character and sympathize with them or and and and, and you know and i'm rooting for them then everything else that they're experiencing, if we're really in their subjective, just feels so much more scarier and, and the stakes feel higher. And so, so that's something that I was being very mindful of, of um, rooting us in Amanda's subjective, even though she sometimes herself will veer into the antagonist um, sort of zone. So she's really playing this antagonist and protagonist, depending on how much her mother's influence is actually, you know, invading her at any given moment. And so, but even with that understanding that, um, you know, that she is, is possessed or she's not really acting as herself, we still are rooted with her and, 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 and want her to want her to win. And so, that's really the way that I was sort of uh, framing everything that like we are experiencing all these tense moments through Amanda. Mm-hmm. And because we're so intensely subjective to her, you know, that question of is this real? Is this in her head? You know, for the audience, they're asking the same question because there's so much rooted in Amanda's subjective. And and can I ask you specifically about kind of your your choice to the moments of let's call it possession, um, because I did kind of question, you know, it, it does follow some of the the visual language of a possession movie and we never quite know. Um, so can you can you talk a little bit about this, this subtle uh, way of visualizing those moments where we don't quite know whether it's Amanda or whether it's the spirit of her mother? 
Yeah. And so we, you know, we have these sort of moments uh, throughout the film where we actually start to see Amanda's face starting to morph into her mother's. And these moments are generally uh, when she's by herself. And so it's, you know, so it's still in that question of, you know, since she's the only one witnessing it, is it something that she's imagining? Is it something that's actually happening? And so, um, you know, so by seeing those moments, we start to understand that it's not just this physical thing, that something internal is also starting to transform and possess her. And so as uh, her relationship with Chris gets a little bit more sort of unstable throughout the movie, that we start to understand where it's coming from, that it's uh, it's not only Amanda trying to um, sort of uh, deny what's happening and deny her mother's existence, but it is her own mother's influence, like actually invading her body that is causing even more sort of tension between her and Chris. Um, and so, yeah, so using that sort of visual, and this is where, you know, genre um, is such an interesting way to explore psychology because you can actually mm -hmm. physically, um, you know, portray something that's happening uh, inside your head, something that can be very either emotional or very internal. Um, and so, yeah, so we're really playing with like the visual of like what it looks like to turn into your mother um, in those moments. And can you, I think this is a, a nice route into talking a little bit about Sandra's performance. And and in, in my eyes, um, Sandra can do absolutely no wrong. I don't think I've ever disliked a single performance that she's done in her, in her career. And I'm kind of curious about that line. And I think it's particularly interesting that you're not coming from a, from a, genre fan uh background kind of how do you direct an actress of, of that caliber um into into performing this this slight this scale of your one character but then there are moments where we're not quite sure whether she's actually being possessed by a spirit or whether she's losing her mind or whether she's unable to process the the trauma that she's carrying on her shoulders yeah um it was it was definitely um a, a balancing act and it was a you know it was always a constant conversation of you know reminding ourselves where we are in the story how much of that possession has really taken her and and how much of the things that she's saying is actually coming from her versus mm -hmm. her mother's influence because so much of it you know i think uh as well at least in my experience in terms of like uh, my parents' generation, so much, there's so much that's unsaid, that so much suffering that they just kind of ignore and they repress. And I think that's why ghosts are so prevalent in like Korean culture and folklore, because this idea that like you, you can never like actually express what you're feeling, or you can never really sort of resolve the things um, that are like, like really bubbling underneath the surface that, you know, I think is very relatable and common for this idea of the unresolved ghosts. Um, and so a lot of that was like, you know, where, where are these moments that like Amanda is actually able to express what she's feeling? And so like, ironically, it's like her mother's arrival is exactly what, you know, Amanda and Chris needed so that they can hash out their own sort of issues for Amanda to finally be open to Chris about what happened to her, uh, mm -hmm. and for Chris to have mm -hmm. that understanding. And so, yeah, a lot of it was really just about like, what is actually true to Amanda and what is, what is actually her mother's influence. And so, um, yeah, so that was like a really fun challenge just throughout the process of figuring out, okay, how possessed are you? You know, is what you're saying coming from Amanda, coming from your mother? Is it a combination of both? Um, so yeah. And, and Sandra is such a pro and she's so really just, uh, loves coming from that character perspective. And so all the work that we did um, was was really helpful in terms of like on the day, understanding where we were in the story. 
And can you talk a little bit about um, kind of that specific influence of, I guess, the legacy of of, of how, um, I'm trying to phrase this in the right way, of kind of like how specifically Korean ghost stories are are usually told kind of did you pull any any particular references from that that you imbued into into uma yeah so the korean word for ghost is kishin and Mm -hmm. it's it's Mm um you know there is sort of this universal idea of the unresolved ghost it's not it's not uh necessarily Mm -hmm. specific to Mm -hmm. asian ghosts um but i think the different types of ghosts that uh, are featured in Korean folklore. Like so much of the backstory mm-hmm. is really about repression, uh, and, and 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 you know certain things in their life that are unresolved, and also just this. Um, there's also kind of a a, um, a trend of these ghosts being very female, and mm-hmm. about them their sort of oppression as females is what causes mm-hmm. them to become ghosts. And so a lot of that I thought was just already so innate in, into that mm-hmm. ghost story that, um, you know, I think I, you know, I did specifically think about like the specific kind of Korean ghost when crafting the story, but I also thought, you know, like the, the, like the horror of like dying without something, you know, like something resolved is just like, everyone can really understand that you know? Mm-hmm. And so um, it was, you know, I, I wanted to make the story that was specifically with these Korean American characters, but really be able to tell it in a universal way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and finally, kind of, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about, well, the mother in horror, which is such a recurring figure in genre in general, and can be often portrayed as, as very grotesque, and very over the top evil. And, and it somehow becomes even more evil, because she's a woman, and she's a mother, and all the expectations placed in that. Um, and I'm kind of wondering, kind of how, how did you navigate that kind of where, where would you like Uma to stand in kind of that long tradition of, for lack of a better word, evil mothers? <laughs> yeah, well, I think, you know, I think part of the reason possibly that the evil mother sort of trope exists is because, you know, women, female characters, um, they, it's like, they have to be perfect, you know, and the idea of a bad mother is just so offensive to so many people, you know? And so I think what's, you know, what, what I enjoyed about making this movie was to really be able to embrace the complicated characters and that women, don't have to be perfect because we're not perfect, you know, and that, you know, we have our own struggles. And, you know, I I think the sort of expectation for mothers to be perfect, if they're not perfect, they're bad, you know, there's no sort of in between. And so what I wanted to do, especially with the Amma character is, you know, to, to be able to at least see some of that humanity, to understand a little bit about why she sort of became as sort of obsessed with their daughter and reliant on her daughter and, you know, wasn't able to let her go, that if we can humanize her a bit and humanize Amanda, that we can at least start to understand why they do these things. And so, you know, even like outside of the horror context, like I wanted my female characters to be imperfect, you know, and that like that, uh, it's okay to show mothers as not perfect because all mothers are not perfect because we're human, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I, I do think it's, it is unfair um, sort of expectation for female characters that I really wanted to combat. 
it's such a beautiful note to end on and it's a particular bed bug of mine as well has been for years so iris thank you so much for for this conversation and for your film and best of luck with the with the rest of the release thanks so much and it was great talking to you lovely to speak to you